You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. A lot to get to on this podcast as SMU has beaten Memphis for the first time since 2013 and a thrilling 30-27 win for the Mustangs in in a game that I think a lot of people were watching it and in the first 15 minutes of the game of game time you were thinking wow SMU might run away with this thing but Memphis battled back from a 24-3 deficit the game ended up tied at 27 at one point and there we were sitting there watching the game unfold in the fourth quarter. And sure enough, SMU was able to come out with the win from Chris Nagar's game-winning field goal with nine seconds left. And uh, let me just say this. I think there are, one, a ton of things SMU can improve on and clean up from this game. I mean, the second quarter was a complete disaster defensively. Uh, The second quarter offensively was not very good. And overall, uh, SMU didn't necessarily play a very clean football game, and obviously neither did Memphis. But you've got to give SMU a lot of credit. Uh, And I was sitting there on the board, and we were in the the game thread, and you know, I think a lot of people after the game were kind of talking and saying, you know, Memphis really kind of lost that one. And I'm not so sure I buy that. Yes, SMU blew a 24-3 lead, and Memphis had more than enough opportunities to go out and win the game. But one, SMU's running back, TJ McDaniel, goes down on the very first play, uh, the very first offensive play, dislocated ankle. He's probably not back with this team for quite some time. Reggie Robertson ends up getting injured on a non-contact play where he cuts and his knee gives out, and uh, he goes from being set to break the SMU single season receiving or single game receiving record, and gosh, at this pace, maybe the single season. Uh, to now being, as the time of this podcast, we're recording this, very questionable for the rest of the season, I think. I mean, you know, everybody saw the injury, and if you're not thinking that he is out for an extended period of time uh, and quite possibly the season, then you, uh, I've got some oceanfront property, I can tell you, in Arizona. Because that was just the way he reacted. He got carted off, uh, just did not look good at all. And so you lose those two pieces, and especially T.J. McDaniel in a way where he's important to the game plan. He loosens things up for Ulysses Bentley to come in and be fresh and and you know run the football the way he has the last two games. But I think, one, SMU struggled to run the football for, against that defensive front, which is really athletic. I mean, Memphis's defensive front is athletic. Uh, the three-man front has traditionally kind of given SMU some fits, I think, at times. Uh, running the football against it. But on the flip side of things, SMU kind of became so reliant on the passing game that, and and why why not, right? I mean, Shane Bouchelle threw for 475 yards and uh, completed, I believe, 70% of his passes. So you can't really argue with what they did there, uh, you know, in terms of the offensive game plan. But not having TJ McDaniel certainly, I think, changed things for them. Uh, in a in a way, uh, without a doubt, and from there, I think one, you've got to give the defense a lot of credit 
the way they were able to force turnovers. They did end up getting to Brady White. And then Junior Ajo gets that big strip sack fumble. Nelson Paul recovers. And Shane Bouchelle and the offense moved the ball enough to get into field goal range for Chris Nagar's game-winning field goal. And I think it was just a team win that, one, nobody thought it would be easy to beat Memphis. I think a lot of people thought that Memphis would come out and be rusty, which they 100% were. 24-3, to I mean, spotting them that type of a lead, you thought SMU might be able to put the foot down and and, uh, really run away with it. But credit to Memphis for battling back. Brady White's a great quarterback. Uh, They certainly had a lot of success uh, on the ground at times. They had a lot of success finding holes in SMU's secondary. And then SMU just kind of took over and made plays and made enough plays to get the win, obviously. Uh, But it was just kind of a weird game. I felt like, uh, and Sonny Dyke said this as well after the game, that Neither team probably settled in offensively in a way because of all of the just whether it was a uh, interception, you know, by SMU thwarting a, a Memphis drive or whether it was Reggie Robertson's fumble or uh, what, what have you. I mean, it was a definitely a I would say a weird game in that respect because you, you just didn't necessarily know. I guess which team, which which type of team you would get on on each drive. You know, SMU started out so well, built a huge lead, and then over the over the course of the final uh, two quarters, they they scored uh, six points. They didn't score a touchdown, and they somehow won the game. Uh, Memphis over the in, in the middle quarters uh, scored twenty four points. So. I don't know. It was a really, really weird game uh, for for so many reasons. But I, I think at the end of the day, and I went ba- and I go back to this when I said this about the Texas State game, SMU just hasn't panicked. They really haven't uh, had any issues. I think navigating when things go wrong or when they need a when it's gut check time and things need to change, uh, they get enough plays out of their players to win the game and and this was the first time this year that they've been challenged by an elite football team I would say because I do think Memphis is elite especially in terms of the AAC I don't think they're they are what they are were last year but I do think they're going to be right there chipping away for the entire uh, season trying as long as they keep playing games now trying to catch SMU and they're going to be right there and SMU is going to quite honestly have to take care of business down the down the stretch of this season to make it to the conference championship game. And then if they want to win the conference championship game, obviously they'll have to do it at that level. I think SMU's penalties, seven for 60 yards, a little concerning on that front. So some penalties bit them in the tail a little bit at times. Um, But look, I think overall, when you look at, um, when you look at what SMU was able to do from a field position perspective, I think that was, that was huge. Chris Nagar just absolutely killed it. Uh, four touchbacks, I believe. Um, you know, the, Memphis started inside uh, the uh, inside their own twenty a couple times, and then uh, you know the the last play of the game, the last uh, second to last play of the game, there was really little doubt about that one, and it's because SMU went down and covered the kick so well. So I mean, kudos to Chris Brassfield, who was named named twenty four seven Sports special teams uh, coordinator of the week for his efforts. Obviously, Chris Nagar gets, I mean, pretty much all the credit when you when you boot three field goals, 
uh, and you hit the game winner, and then you put your kickoffs out of the back of the end zone, and punt returns uh, were limited uh, to uh, just two for 15 yards. I mean, that was just tremendous uh, for what SMU was able to do just overall. So I I think when you look back on this game, and if you go back and rewatch it, I think there are times more so that I think SMU kind of shot themselves in the foot uh, when they wanted to maybe get a little too cute, maybe take the ball out of Shane Bouchelle's hands at certain times. I know in the second quarter uh, and probably the third quarter too, but I'll have to go back and, and watch yet again myself, but they took it out of his hands probably when when they shouldn't have. Um, you looked at uh, the, the second quarter uh, um, possessions for SMU and it was three and out and four and out uh, in terms of uh, the the play calling. You, you looked at that and, you know, they went for it in terms of uh, running the football, trying to pick it up a couple times. And I just felt like that was, I, I understand what they were trying to do. You're trying to burn a little bit of time there as Memphis was starting to get a little bit of momentum. They scored on two, uh, they scored two touchdowns on their second quarter possessions and then a field goal to, to cap it towards the end of the half. Um, and then they also did have an interception there as well. But, you know, overall, SMU just kind of got too cute, I think, in the second quarter. That really opened the door for Memphis to kick it in. Uh, they they dominated the, the time of possession in the second quarter, just like SMU did in the first quarter. It actually flipped. It was 9.52 uh, to 5.08 for SMU in the first quarter, and then 9.21 to 5.39 in the second quarter for Memphis. And so... I mean, it was just kind of a tale of two quarters, and that just set up uh, this game to have the second half that it did, which was a really weird one, just kind of a defensive struggle. I mean, you have got to give SMU's defense a ton of credit. Here was the last uh, one, two, three, four, five, six possessions for Memphis in the second half. Punt, three and out, by the way. Touchdown drive, 14 play, 87 yards. That was when I think you know people were kind of sitting there saying, okay, all right, here's the gut, gut check time punt they they picked up a first down kind of kept moving 35 yards punt three and out fumble that was uh junior ajo forcing it when memphis uh could have gone down and kicked the game winning field goal and in fact with the way uh, riley patterson was kicking they were in field goal range when that when that fumble happened so think about that and kind of how those that that thing kind of changed on on uh and, and took a 180 turn really quickly and then shane haley gets the fumble i believe shane haley at the end of the game uh, on on their lone offensive play, so I, I think SMU's defense deserves a lot of credit. That is a that is not a tough that is not an easy task to slow that offense down. I don't care how much time they've had off. That was a, tri- a terrific job of circling the wagons by SMU in the at halftime um, to to create a plan that they felt good about over the course of the final two quarters for them to come away with with the win. I mean, I, I think you look at the guys that stepped up, Delano Robinson, Richard McBride had a big game, uh, Donald Clay, eight tackles. Uh, and then also, I mean, Trevor Denbo and Brandon Crosley with the two interceptions. I think people kind of forget about Trevor Denbo's interception because there were some times where he certainly got beat. And I don't blame Memphis for attacking him. Uh, and putting him in certain situations. But I think SMU also made adjustments in the second half 
to take away some of those situations that he was put in, especially in that second quarter where Memphis was really rolling offensively. So those two interceptions were key as well. Crosley's was on, uh, I believe it was on SMU side of the field, SMU side of the 50 as well. Uh, and so he was able to come away with that one as well. Uh, Brandon Stevens, three pass breakups. So a nice day for him as well. Uh, so, I mean, one, I, I think credit goes to Chris Nagar, what he was able to do. Credit goes to Kevin Kane, what they were able to do from a uh, adjustment standpoint. And then uh, Shane Bouchelle was, obviously, he has the second most uh, all-purpose yards ever in an SMU game, right behind Garrett Gilbert's uh, day against Temple back in 2013. Um, but then you look at uh, the the passing, single-game passing yards, uh, he third just behind uh, Garrett Gilbert's Rutgers day in 2013 and his day against Temple when he went for 538, which is number one in the books. But 475 for Shane Bouchelle. Um, I, I think, again, the good thing for SMU in a way is that SMU has, it, it, they have the, they, they have so many things they can improve on, right? They have, they have a lot that they can improve on and, and, and be better th- at. And I think that's important to note when you look back at this game over the course of the season and what it's going to mean for SMU just overall. Because SMU needed to get through this game. They had to move past it uh, with a win. I think that was a big important thing. Um, you know, with with SMU heading into a bye now, you have some time to figure out what you want to do if let Reggie Robertson and TJ McDaniel are indeed out for an extended period of time, which I certainly think they are, you can then move on. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that is important to note as well. They now have a, uh, a, a week to, you know, really figure out how they're going to do this. Because if you are, if you are without Reggie Robertson, you have to find a way to make sure that last year doesn't happen again in terms of what happened to this offense without Reggie Robertson. I mean, that when Reggie Robertson went out last year, there's without a doubt that offense changed whatever it was uh, that they couldn't get past. Um, they could not get past, uh, you know, the, the, um, the fact that they didn't have Reggie Robertson, they were just a different offense, and 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 now you have Danny Gray, who is certainly a burner. I think he's going to be a, a big factor going forward. Rasheed Rice has been excellent uh, for the most part, save his drop and fumble that was very uncharacteristic for him. Uh, and and I think again, Sonny Dykes kind of addressed that after the game. It, they just did some things that once again were kind of uncharacteristic, and so I think the bye week will be important. And I think to an extent, sometimes when some of those uncharacteristic mistakes happen, it's because maybe you're a little worn down, you're a little tired. I think one thing that SMU was did a good job of uh, coming off the bye week after uh, the season opener and before North Texas was getting these guys right, continuing to work them into shape because they'll have to be ready for Tulane and Cincinnati. Uh, that is a, a tough two-game stretch right there when they come back off this bye week. And... Uh, being in the best shape possible is going to be important as they get into the teeth of this AAC schedule. But overall, I think uh, just a great, obviously a special win for SMU being a top 25 team at home, beating Memphis for the first time since 2013, getting over that hump with UCF losing to Tulsa over the weekend, 
this this race right now is SMU's to lose. So a lot of credit goes to Sonny Dykes and, and his staff for what they were able to put together. The players were executing well enough to race out to that lead and then the defense to keep them in it. I think the defense, for the most part, is starting to show that they're a, a second-half defense. I think save for North Texas, where I think that score just got so out of hand that they took their foot off the gas. This defense is built for the second half. They have the rotational guys. They have Mike Williams now to add in there on the defensive line. Uh, at receiver, they'll need TQ Jackson to step up, just like Austin Upshaw did uh, this week against Memphis with some huge, huge receptions, especially to set up the game-winning field goal. Uh, they've got a lot of things to be proud about as they enter the bye week, um, but a lot to clean up too. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, the next two weeks how they respond to to having Tulane and then uh, facing Cincinnati, which will be look two tough games. But they've got to keep their head down, stay focused on 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 one you know one day at a time, one play at a time, all those things, all the cliches because. Now SMU has everything in front of itself for a conference championship, potentially. This is what they they talked about since last year. Uh, Sonny Dykes said it when he was hired. He wants to compete for conference championships. Now it's ahead of them uh, with Memphis out of the way, with the, with a win over the Tigers. And now SMU can just go full bore and, and, and try to get this thing done because it's been a weird year. But uh, the most important thing that has happened in the first month uh, or the first four games of this season for SMU is that they got a win over Memphis. And so now Mustangs enter uh, their second game of AAC play against Tulane, 1-0 in conference play. That's the most important thing that's happened so far this season. SMU now set up to potentially make that run at the conference championship, just like they've been talking about uh, since Sonny Dykes was hired. So impressive win by SMU, and we'll be tracking it all on Pony Stampede, uh, of course, as the Mustangs look to now clean some things up get back to uh, the drawing board, I would say, and, and try to figure out where they went wrong, where they went right, and and try to you know make more of that happen uh, over the course of the next uh, however many games they get to play, seven, eight, whatever. But uh, SMU gets a huge win, 30-27 to 27 over Memphis. Uh, quick reminder, guys, to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to the Pony Stampede podcast. And then, as well, I wanted to mention this. We have a couple of cool VIP pieces on the site right now, one four-star offensive tackle, Savion Bird, uh, caught up with Mike Roach of 24-7 Sports, talked about where things stand with him from a recruiting perspective uh, and kind of how he's approaching things now with the dead period extended through December 31st. And then 10 at 10 returned uh, this weekend as uh, I dropped 10 VIP scoop nuggets uh, at 10 o'clock Sunday night, uh, doing that now through out-conference play the Sunday after each game. 10 things that I gathered since the game ended uh, that are really kind of VIP and important to note could be recruiting. We have a couple recruit reactions in there as well as I raised my confidence level on one of SMU's top targets in terms of where he, uh, the Mustangs stand with him. So you, be sure to check that out on Pony Stampede. You, you can subscribe for just a dollar. Uh, finally, I want to say this. I think one, the Twitter spat between Sonny Dykes and Tim Kalashaw was just I think it's such a reflection on how Sonny Dykes, I think, has stepped up in this way. He is always going to come to the defense, and in this case on the offense, for SMU and his players. I think if you've followed Sonny Dykes since this whole offseason kind of started, 
uh, with COVID and everything that has gone on, he is 100% behind his players, uh, whether it's the great family stuff or uh, supporting uh, their their you know fight against social injustice, uh, whether it's supporting their their plans to vote and right to vote and registering to vote and doing all those things. And in this case, he came to the defense of uh, the students as well. Uh, Tim, Cal- Tim Kalashaw, Dallas Morning News columnist, uh, tossing what you can consider a joke if, you know, maybe it's him, but his delivery is you know, usually terrible in these situations. Or uh, what was kind of an attack on, you know, the SMU stereotype of being a, a you know, for the most part, a uh, very exclusive uh, school. And Sonny Dykes didn't like it. He took offense and, uh, you know, just flat out just called out the objectivity of uh, uh, the, the Dallas Morning News and uh, mainly Tim Kalashaw. And if you look at, you know, the uh, postgame press conferences with Shane Bouchard, I mean, you can kind of tell whenever Dallas Morning News asked a question, he didn't seem too pleased to answer it. And look, I think so much has been made of uh, social distancing and, and mask wearing, and especially in Ford Stadium. You know, they, they sent out a reminder uh, that, you know, students especially needed to wear the masks and do all those things. And they weren't doing it. They were lit. Uh, it was uh, 2043 once Reggie Robertson went into the end zone on that long bomb. Uh, it was uh, it was on, and um, you know you saw that in the pictures and, and everything like that. Now, I think with this the whole situation, Sonny Dyke said this as well. You know, definitely criticize on the mask wearing, not lack of and the lack of social distancing, uh, but to to call out the student body, which you know, as he made a point, you know, almost eighty percent of students receive financial aid. Uh, it, it's uh. Yeah, I mean, you can just, I think that's one thing to really respect about what Sonny Dykes has done since he's been at SMU. You can kind of tell he's all in. I mean, he is all in about what they're trying to do here. And I think if you're if you're a, a player on this team, if you're a student at SMU, um, and it's certainly going to help them in recruiting, and you've seen that, I think, with this class especially, that uh, I think the players know that the, the staff overall is pretty real. And they keep it real. And uh, this was just another example of Sonny Dykes uh, coming to the to the defense and, and going on the offensive with uh, something he took exception for. And uh, look, I mean, I've followed Tim Kalashaw for years, far before I got into sports journalism. You know, watched him on there around the horn, uh, you know, way back in the day. And but since I've covered SMU, I really haven't seen anything from him in a, in a positive manner. And 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 there are some reporters that are just not going to do that. Uh, but you know, some pot shots that in the past probably didn't really go answered by coaching staffs or players. Uh, it's certainly not going to be the case with Sonny Dykes, and, and he told Tim Kalashaw, I've never declined an interview from you, uh, and and uh, you have my cell phone number. So uh, that was an interesting uh, Sunday morning for sure after that one. So uh, I did want to make note of that and, and kind of uh, share my thoughts on, on that. As um, Look, I think SMU has some things to clean up with the student section. Uh, Missouri does little pod like spray painted areas for their student section on the grass. Um, and overall, the situation could have been handled better. I wasn't over there, so I don't know what was how um, uh, tense it was or what was going on. But just from afar, it looked like, you know, they were just kind of being kicked out. I don't know. Um, I still think that they should find a way to socially distance. And if the students can't really handle that, then um, I think you can kick them out on a, on a case-by-case basis. But there are some people that are doing the right thing and, um, 
you know, trying to trying to uh, enjoy the game. And look, it, it it sucks because that that student section was a great time. And any other year, I guess they would have been, uh, you know, it would have been a funny you know moment on college game day. You know, seeing a highlight or a uh, or a college um, college game uh, college uh, football live recap uh, with the with maybe the helmet stickers or something. You know, seeing the student section go nuts uh, after a touchdown like that. But not this year. And uh, you know, it becomes a storyline, and um, I guess that's the world we're living in. So, um, hopefully, SMU handles it a little bit better next time. Totally get why they did what they did. It, it sucks, but um, you know, I just think the big takeaway for me when I look at that whole situation was the exception uh, that Sonny Dykes took to it, and he came to defend uh, his student body and um, you know stepped up in that regard. So, I think that says a lot about where. He's at as a, a person and and a uh, SMU employee, quite honestly. So with that, guys, going to close out this edition of the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, have a great rest of the week. We might have a podcast later this week. It's a bye week. We'll see what kind of news comes. We'll obviously be monitoring the Reggie Robertson and TJ McDaniel news. And if you're a VIP subscriber, definitely be tuned into the boards uh, because when I know and if I can share, I will 100%, you know, 100% drop that when I can. Um, but uh, we're on pins and needles until then. So with that, guys, hope you guys enjoy this this edition of the podcast and have a great rest of the week. Everyone is talking about if. I'm going to go to Lynn Human. I like it. I love it. It's original and heartfelt. Ta-da! And the must-see comedy of the summer <laughs> that's perfect for the whole family. It's just so exciting. If. Ready PG. Now playing in theaters.